Hello, and welcome to Friends for Life, a podcast of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod's Life Ministry. We're sharing the stories and insights of real people living out God's love for the people He's created. We hope you'll stick around and be our friends for life. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm your host for this episode, uh, Deaconess Dr. Tiffany Manor, and joining me in the studio here is Reverend Dr. Rick Mars. He's a seminary professor, um, a husband, a father. I'm sure you have other vocations and, and grandfather interests. now. Grandfather. So yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm a grandmother myself. Mm-hmm. So that's the, I always mm-hmm. like to drop mention of that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and, and Dr. Mars has written a book that I, I think a lot of people here um, listening to Friends for Life may be interested in. It's titled, Making Christian Counseling More Christ-Centered. So welcome. Uh, we usually use first names around here. That's welcome, fine. Rick. Mm-hmm. And uh, introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about um, your interest and things yeah, that you enjoy Tiffany. in life. Yeah. Um, again, I've had a kind of a life that's been a number of different vocations. I uh, started off, well, I grew up on a farm. I uh, started off as a Christian counselor and psychologist in our Concordia University system schools, um, a couple of different ones, um, and then became a parish pastor for six years, thought I was going to be a parish pastor for the rest of my life. When the seminary called and said, would you come and teach pastoral counseling uh, 17 years ago? And uh, so I've been teaching pastoral counseling, licensed psychologist um, as well. Uh, have all that sort of background, but uh, mainly just like teaching people about when they have spiritual questions, uh, theological, vertical questions about does God love them, uh, that's where we need to point to Christ. And I've been active in the Christian counseling field. Oh, one other little side note. Yeah, you mentioned before we came online, I'm a, I'm a stair climber. I, I, <laughs> I climb tall buildings for, I won't call it fun, but for exercise and for uh, racing and, and actually ranked in the top 10 for men over the age of 60 um, wow. for um, uh, stair climb racing. So uh, uh, now I say that with full disclosure, uh, there are fewer than a thousand men in, in the United States my age or older that are willing to do this sport even once a year, let alone you know multiple sorts of, so that's top 10 out of a very small number of men. So Well, it still sounds fascinating <laughs> and that's got to be good for your, your mental health and, and well-being mm-hmm. to be active yeah. like that. Yeah, no, I tell people, I, I think stair climbing is the best cardio that I can do for my body because it's low impact and I my father had a heart attack when he was 67 my grandmother had a heart attack at age 67 I'm trying to avoid those sorts of things by taking good care of my body which I think also does help take good care of our minds when we're taking care care of our bodies so it is something that uh, I try to do my, my wife and I walk a lot we live near a park and so we walk the park usually twice a day so I try to get in more than 15,000 steps a day and then climb about 700 stories a week. So uh, 700 yeah. stories, whoa. <laughs> At least that's what my Fitbit says. So, yeah. <laughs> wow. It, my husband is kind of the, the champion step person in, in our family. He regularly gets you know, fifteen to 20,000 steps mm-hmm. a day. But um, yeah, I never thought about that in um, the number of, of stories and, yep. and, and actual you know building because you're, you're do, climbing actual buildings, mm-hmm. not just yep. you know, the, paying attention to your watch yep. or your Fitbit. Yeah. <laughs> So, but yeah, I've been in the Christian counseling field for nearly 40 years now, and um, uh, years and years ago, I realized that there weren't a lot of Lutherans that were speaking out in this field. Uh, we're mm-hmm. kind of, there's a very large, well, several Christian counseling organizations in the United States. AACC is the largest, American Association for Christian Counselors, and it has over 50,000 members, but I would estimate that 
less than 1% of those are Lutherans. Um, there just haven't been as many Lutherans go into this field as there have been Baptists and Presbyterians and, and Methodists and Pentecostals and so forth. Um, a lot of other seminaries and Christian graduate schools have master's degrees in, in Christian counseling. And while a few of our um, Concordias have master's degrees in counseling, uh, none of them are from a specific kind of Lutheran perspective, except uh, a little bit Concordia, Wisconsin. Uh, the Wells and L- ELS have started a program uh, out of Bethany College uh, in Masters in Counseling, and so I'm glad that we're start, starting to get into it. But my book was sort of an attempt to be a Lutheran voice in this field of Christian counseling, because uh, I think Luther's soul care theology has a lot to add to what other Christian counselors don't know and don't know how to do um, because they they don't hear it in their Baptist circles or in their Baptist sermons and so forth. So, Yeah, you know, in my care of, of people throughout um, my service as a deaconess, that really common question that I get is uh, I, I, people recognizing it'd be beneficial to, to see uh, a clinical provider, a, a therapist, a, a counselor. And it's usually the, the language people use. I, you know, I want to find a counselor. Right. And, you know, so often they would say, can you help me find a Lutheran counselor? Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, recognize, oh, well, maybe it needs to be a Christian counselor. And that can be really challenging. I think that could be helpful for us to talk about. I mean, we also <laughs> we, we also could provide this encouragement to any y- younger listeners that we mm. may have that um, if they uh, really enjoy um, listening to people, walking with them when they're mm-hmm. going through difficult times in life, that they might want to consider a career right. as a, a, a Lutheran Christian um, counselor, clinical mm-hmm. provider, therapist. Um, you know, so that's certainly something that, um, our, our church needs to take up and, and encourage young people into this because there is a, a desire to see a, a, a Lutheran counselor. So, um, for people who are listening, though, how, you know, how do you find someone, um, you know, a, a counselor who you're going to be able to uh, believe that that your faith will um, be listened to and understood, mm-hmm. and um, you know, really be brought to bear on the, whatever you're going through in life that that's causing you to want to be in counseling? Mm-hmm. How, how do you find it? Well, I I do tell people to start with their pastor and at least go and talk to him and say, has he vetted any Christian counselors in the area? Has he spent time kind of interviewing them, uh, knowing what they think, what they believe, how they practice? Would would he feel comfortable going to see that Christian counselor or would he feel comfortable sending his, his wife or his daughter to that Christian counselor? And so if he can say yes to that sort of question, then you feel a little more comfortable about um, approaching that, even if the person that he's talking about might not be a Lutheran Christian, but if they're at least open to uh, hearing, um, you know, well, again, I encourage counselees to get a copy of my book and, and read through it and even lend it to a Christian counselor that they go see because it's just got four or five chapters, well, five or six chapters on Luther soul care theology that, that again, I've had 250 people at one time in an AACC conference come and hear me talk about these things. So Christian counselors are interested in Luther. They're just not always interested in Lutheran theology. But if you pose it, and as I have in the book, uh, Luther said these sorts of things. They go, oh, well, I'd like to listen to Luther and what he what he says. And, and once I kind of explain some of that theology and even some techniques that flow out of it, uh, they kind of, oh, I could use that in my practice. And But 
they've not been exposed to it, even though they may have gotten a master's degree or a PhD even from some of the Christian counseling organizations so uh, or, or institutions. So, um, so I, yeah, start I with that. I love that. I mean, so take the book, and, and, and it's not just for Christian counselors to read. Mm-hmm. Any lay person? I've had several lay people tell me that they really – were benefited by reading it and and it helped make more sense to them and some of the problems that they were struggling the spiritual problems they were struggling with so um yeah there's several nice uh lay people um what do you call them on on um Amazon, uh, the endorsements oh, that you yeah. Know, yeah, that from lay people. So, yeah, it was very helpful for me to read Dr. Morris's book, too. And I'm not a therapist and I'm not a pastor. I'm just a lay person that is going to see a counselor. And it was very helpful to me. So, oh, so lay people could read it, but then, you know, either take your copy or buy a copy for mm-hmm. your counselor and say, this this will help you to understand me where me I'm coming from right? and others perhaps that, that you're providing care yeah. to. Yeah. That's at least my hope, and I hear it happening a little bit anyway. I just hope it keeps happening a little bit more. Yeah. What are um, do you see the differences between the um, Christian counselors that are are out there? That um, sometimes when my family has been seeking a counselor, we've we've gotten a list from our insurance company. These are mm-hmm. the providers and network for you. And there's a bit of an alphabet soup behind their <laughs> last names as to um, all kinds of acronyms. Uh, and, and I don't know what they mean, and I, I don't know how to, to choose um, from that, you know, what kind of, of a person I should be reaching out to. Right, right. Yeah, the field has added more and more acronyms. I don't even know all of them now. So <laughs> it used to be licensed psychologists and professional counselors and professional social workers and marriage and family therapists. And now then each one of those have split up and had, you know, specialists in alcohol and drug abuse or, or family therapy or whatever. And... Uh, so, yeah, there's lots and lots of names. You kind of just have to call them and talk to them and say, I'm looking for a counselor. What what does this mean? What What is your specialty? Um, my problem is more along these lines. Do you see people that um, have those sorts of concerns or would you suggest somebody else that you think specializes in this some more? Uh, just like we go to, you know, medical specialists, it's good to go to, you know, even counseling specialists that have spent more time practicing in a certain area and again the downside to a lot of other christian counselors is they don't understand proper distinction of law and gospel or theology of the cross and so they sometimes approach counseling from well okay you're a christian who's struggling with anxiety or depression now if you follow these six steps you'll be a happier healthier less depressed less anxious christian and they don't realize in retrospect that sometimes when they put six steps there they're actually giving soft law and then when somebody fails in their application of that soft law then they feel more shame or more guilt and so many christian counselors still don't know what to do with shame and guilt but we lutherans do we say well you forgive guilt Mm -hmm. and you tell people that their shame has been covered over by the blood of jesus christ that he took on the shame of the cross and conquered it even himself uh, you find those particular verses that match with their struggle, their unfectung, as as Luther mm-hmm. used to call it, and uh, uh, and then use the gospel then to speak that word of promise directly to them, and God let God's word, which does not return to Him empty, Isaiah fifty five, um, let that word hopefully strengthen them in faith and 
and not feel as anxious and depressed or whatever it might be for them. I found that language of, of promise and then, um, you know, even on, on the last side of things, requirement to be really helpful in my interactions with um, people who aren't Lutheran or Christians and, and not mm. Lutheran to help them understand, um, you know, that I'm not just tossing off the proper distinction of law and gospel uh, and a, a phrase that means a lot to Lutherans, mm-hmm. but that another Christian is not going to understand. So I could see how that could, you know, almost uh, be helpful uh, for a, a Lutheran going into counseling to um, in, in a sense, uh, teach their counselor about, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, my pastor assures me of God's promises and I find that very comforting. Um, are there other ways that, that a, a Lutheran Christian in a counseling setting could help their, their therapist understand um, what spiritually they, they need? I mean, is there ever an opportunity, um, I guess, for self-advocacy or... or um, the pastor's role in, in counseling. Yeah, yeah, I do encourage uh, pastors to at least think about maybe going uh, to a first session with their parishioners uh, when they Ooh. meet a, a, a new counselor and see, you know, introduce them. Don't stay for the entire session, but maybe get to mm-hmm. see how the relationship is going in the first ten minutes or so, and then and then exit. But then also the counselees can sign a waiver uh, from the for the professional counselor so that the counselor can interact with the pastor and maybe mm-hmm. they could meet uh, once every six weeks or so. And especially if that pastor has like three or four parishioners that he's referred to one specific counselor, uh, him sitting down and talking with, with that counselor for 30 minutes or an hour about those three or four people may give the counselor some very helpful insights into what the pastor sees in the larger community situation, but then also give the pastor some insights on how he can provide the spiritual care, the the vertical issues care that the counselor might not be as well trained on. So in my book, I, I borrow from Baptist psychologist uh, uh, Eric Johnson that soul care is made up of a triangle of three different things, suffering, biopsychosocial damage, and... Um, sin. And so pastors are primarily dealing with the sin and suffering aspects of mm-hmm. that triangle. Professional counselors, be they Christians, are primarily dealing with the suffering and the biopsychosocial damage, you know, what's happened to us in our childhood or what we grew up genetically with uh, that have led us to be, you know, struggling with bipolar disorder or whatever it might be. Um, the, the professional counselors are going to be more um, educated about the biopsychosocial damage, but how can the pastor and the counselor work together so that when sin and biopsychosocial damage are somehow going together, those two can work cohesively with one another? So, you know, I've heard some uh, pastors describe that they might see people for a certain number of uh, times about a, a circumstance of suffering mm-hmm. um, that they're dealing with, and then they refer them on and, and or refer them off uh, and then I think there's an encouragement in, in what you're saying that it's not that a, a, a pastor sees someone as an um, initial start of counseling and then a counselor finishes but the pastor continues to provide care that um, that pastoral care to a congregation member and an individual alongside the counselor I mean right. you know you described even 
um, meeting the counselor um, or having some conversation, but maybe that's the only time that it's happening jointly, all three people (laughs) in the same room. But could you talk more about that, about the the need for um, pastoral care to continue while counseling is going on? Yeah, yeah. No, I I stress to students that once you do refer a a, a parishioner on to, to a counselor, that doesn't mean you're done with that. You still have to go back and kind of check with them, just as you would somebody that was that you knew was struggling with um, cancer or long-term mm-hmm. heart disease issues. You wouldn't just refer them to the medical doctor and say, "Okay, bye. I'm not, you know, <laughs> not going to pray with you anymore." You don't need me anymore. Uh, yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> no, that's uh, not. They still have spiritual issues that are going on. So just like bipolar disorder has physiological issues it also has then some spiritual issues somebody that's struggling with cancer is going to have obviously physiological issues but they're going to have a spiritual questions of why lord why are you letting this happen to me um so yeah the pastor deaconesses should still be involved in that spiritual care of people um well, I just heard a interesting story you'd probably like from a student saying his RFE pastor, his resident field education pastor, a seminary student, um, had gone to make a hospital visit with some older woman, but he and the deaconess had gone together. And this older woman, when he asked her, well, how are you doing? Oh, I'm just doing fine, Pastor. Everything's going well. All these, you know, they're taking Uh really good care of me at the hospital. And then the pastor stepped out of the room to go check on somebody else or check with a nurse or something. And after he left the room, the woman started telling the deaconess how anxious she was, how scared she was about the upcoming procedure, all these Mm -hmm. sorts of negative emotions that she was not willing to share with her pastor but she was willing to share with the deaconess. So again, just important to to know that, yeah, sometimes pastors aren't going to hear all those things, but if they have a deaconess or a female <laughs> counselor or whatever that they can uh, walk alongside with, maybe that uh, those women would open up to those women better. I think that that uh, has lived out in my life and in my experience working with pastors. And, you know, that that's also a reminder that we have um, the body of Christ mm-hmm. that people you know, serve one another in a variety of ways. All pastors are really valuable in um, in proclaiming the forgiveness of sins individually to people, and um, yet there's other people who provide care too. And um, I think that is helpful when we think about counselors because I know in, in situations um, where I've talked with people or you know in my own family where you might start seeing one counselor. Uh, and realize, whoa, I'm not so certain if this is a productive relationship. Mm. I'm maybe not, you know, getting um, as far as I, I would like to with this situation that I'm here to, to deal with. Uh, can you talk ab- about that? About you know what happens with the first counselor that, that you interact with is just not quite the right yeah. fit. Yeah, no, I, I tell people quite often, say, yeah, go and see a counselor. If it doesn't feel like it's fitting after one or two sessions, then think about going someplace else. You know, if you if you went to a dentist and didn't like the way the dentist and the dental hygienist were taking care of your teeth, well, you wouldn't stop going to a dentist. You'd find another dentist office to go to. So same thing kind of goes. And we, we never really know why we don't sometimes click with a particular counselor. Uh, I joke that, uh, you know, maybe that particular counselor just reminds you of your strange Uncle Joe, Uh, (laughs) you know, just some mannerisms or whatever that just don't click with you and you might not even consciously be fully aware of that. But, uh, um, you know, counselors hope that they mesh with maybe 80% of the clients that Mm -hmm. come into their office. They know that they're not going to mesh with a 
95 or 100 uh, percent, but they hope they have the skills that 75, 80 percent of the people will want to come back for a second and third and fifth and tenth session as as long as those sessions are needed. So, so it's okay to, to say this isn't me, it's not them, it's just maybe someone else would be helpful to yeah. talk to. Yeah. I think there's a, a lot of... Um, questions and, and certainly um, stigma that, that comes up around mm. counseling and that this may be one aspect of it of like oh um, there must be I, I guess uh, a, f- a failure in me if I can't um, work well with this particular counselor mm-hmm. because they're an expert but there's there should be no stigma or no shame in, in that you just yeah. can work with somebody else yep. instead it doesn't mean that counseling is a failure right. it means try a different, different right. therapist right now, again, you might, if you end up failing with three or four or five different counselors, it might be something else to kind of talk to your pastor or mm-hmm. somebody about, but uh, that usually doesn't happen. And usually somebody finds a counselor after two or three tries that they think they'll work with well. Yeah. Any other uh, stigmas around counseling that, that Lutherans, that Christians should engage in? I, I think it's getting better. This uh, uh, it used to be seen but, and it may still be seen by a number of people that, oh, uh, going to counseling is um, a last resort right. or right. it's it's sign of weakness, sign or... of weakness. Mm-hmm. Um, only you know, the, really the most desperate people need that. Not me. I can pull myself up by my own bootstraps. Mm-hmm. I just need to pray more or trust more, have mm-hmm. more faith or something like that, which that those are all <laughs> law. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's <laughs> Speaking prob- the law to yeah, ourselves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not uh, <laughs> properly distinguishing law and gospel. And <laughs> yeah. Walter even said that. So, yeah, yeah, yeah we, we speak the law to ourselves really well, I yeah. find. <laughs> yeah. um, but, you know, what else does the church need to understand about counseling and Christian counselors to help uh, remove that, that stigma? Or, you know, what, what can we do as, as Christians with one another to, to help encourage one another yeah yeah um good question i mean it is just one of those i think as people find out that their friends have gone to see a counselor and that oh well if so-and-so went to see a counselor then maybe it wasn't so bad it Mm -hmm. just kind of slowly they hear about more people that are counselors um that they know or trust at some level um it's you know like any vocation that some people are going to like it. Some people you know some people don't like salesmen. They don't like lawyers uh, for for whatever reasons. But uh, counseling is very uh, say unique and particular to an individual. Um, so yeah, just encouraging people to at least think about it, try it, see what it feels like after two or three, four. And again, so many people that I know, oh yeah, I didn't realize how helpful it was going to be just to talk. Not to a friend, but to a professional that has some particular set of skills that I know is objective, so they're not giving me the bias that my cousin Alfred would give me mm-hmm. if I went to talk to him. Um, you know, they're wanting to do something as professional as possible, and you know, they get paid to do it, but they don't get paid a lot to do it. Professional yeah. counselors don't make tons and tons of money. Um, not like medical doctors or, or others, that, um, but they do it because they like helping people and they think they have a particular skill at it. And oh, one other thing I wanted to make sure we did say, um, and now then actually there's a broader range of counselors uh, post-COVID. A lot of people are seeing counselors online. That, that telehealth, right? telehealth sort of thing. <laughs> so if if your pastor says, I haven't been able to find any Christian counselors within 20 miles of us that I really like and trust, 
will go beyond 20 miles because you can check out, you probably have to stay within your state mm -hmm. because of state licensure laws and all those sorts of things. But you might find that there's a Christian counselor, you know, 150 miles away from you that you maybe won't ever go and see face to face. Maybe you'd make the trip once, but, uh, mm -hmm. uh, but mainly you would just see them online. And while I think there's a, a benefit to actually having in-person face-to-face counseling. Um, I think it's slightly more um, effective. I would rather have somebody find a good match that's 200 miles away that they're mm -hmm. seeing online than a mismatch that they're seeing that happens to be five miles away. So uh, uh, I tend to say, and I don't say this with, with uh, um, say empirical sort of evidence, but it just kind of feels to me like at least online counseling is 80, 85% as effective as uh, as regular counseling or face-to-face -face counseling is. So uh, so think about you doing that. It's become much more commonly done. I know of one Lutheran pastor who's a Christian counselor in Ohio that he only sees people online. So he does wow. not see anybody in a private office. It saves him money not having an office and saves him time going to the office. He said his, his clients, it saves them time because they don't have to drive to his office. He just sets uh, the times that they meet online and, and he thinks it's effective and his clients think it's effective and he's seeing people all over the state of Ohio. So, um, and again, there are Christian counselors, Lutheran counselors in, in some states, uh, Lutheran Child and Family Services in some states, um, Iowa, Florida, other states that have, have a really, I think, highly trustworthy uh, Lutheran Christian counseling organizations. I like to tell people about the Wisconsin Synod uh, Christian Family Solutions people, uh, which have 110 Christian counselors. They're wow. like 85 of them are up in Minnesota and and Wisconsin, so they're not spread across the United States as widely. But if you live in Wisconsin and Minnesota, those are some really good options to consider face to face with because they have offices in a wide variety of geographic areas in in those two states. Um, so yeah, there there are Lutherans that are out there doing it. There's just not as widespread across the the United States as what I wish we were. Yeah, I often encourage people to check out the LCMS Recognized Service Organization directory. Mm -hmm. You can, um, it's on the website actually on uh, online lcms.org and then a slash RSO. And you can just put in the searchable directory counseling and it'll come up with all of the at least registered organizations that mm -hmm. um, recognize um, to be in step with the LCMS um, with, with doctrine and, and practice. Uh, but there are certainly other resources and, you know, nice to have the options to, you know, whether it's the, the online option, um, you know, so many employers provide employee assistance programs right. where, you know, maybe there's a, an immediate telephone option. If you can call 24 hours a day, you know, no matter, um, you know, where you're from, uh, where you are. So that, that can be a, a nice option as well, particularly if there's something, you know, critical and, mm -hmm. and really um, timely for you. Um, it, I encourage people to have ongoing relationships with counselors. Maybe you don't need to see them on a weekly or even right. monthly basis, you know, but what about like going to the dentist? You, you go once, twice a year mm -hmm. uh, to, to check in. And that way, if you need something, you've got someone that you can call if your tooth starts hurt, hurting. I think that can be a very similar to a relationship right. that you have with a therapist. You've um, 
if you move someplace and, and you do some checking and find someone before it gets to be a critical mm-hmm. situation and you've got a relationship and you're established and then you can call them up and if you need to go for a, a month or two right. on a more regular basis. Um, but, you know, considering um, a, a, a emotional, mental well visit yes. <laughs> a couple times a year, I think is, is a really good idea. Um, and perhaps we're getting to, to be more open to that than, mm-hmm. um, say in past decades. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Well, I really appreciate you talking through, um, Christian counseling with me today. Um, and certainly the, a big thanks to our listeners for tuning in. Mm-hmm. If you liked what you heard, please leave us a review and don't forget to click the follower subscribe button. So you don't miss out on upcoming episodes, new episodes drop twice each month. And Did you want to plug that? Speaking of episodes, <laughs> we've got uh, the the Lutheran Witness um, has a, a recent release uh, that is focused on mental health for the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. There's some great articles in that. Um, mm-hmm. you, I think you authored one of them. Mm-hmm. Yep, on the topic we're talking about today, actually referrals. So, but yeah, some very good articles. Stephen, Dr. Stephen Saunders, uh, Todd Peppercorn, others just had some really good articles in there. Yeah, so you can find that on lcms.org as well. The Lutheran Witness. Um, focus on, on mental health. And the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod is coming out with a whole host of, of new resources on, on mental health. So stay tuned and, and, and watch for those. Um, and as you're looking for more information about Friends for Life, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram as Friends for Life LCMS. And uh, finally, listeners, we want to hear from you. If you have an idea about a guest you'd like to hear from or a topic you want to talk about, email us at friendsforlife at lcms.org. Uh, We want to hear from you about what you want to hear about when it comes to issues of life. So thanks for joining us. Thanks, Dr. Mars. Thank you for having me, Tiffany. Thanks for joining us. Friends for Life is a podcast that introduces listeners to life issues by introducing them to friends who stand for life.